Welcome to North of the Shire, your podcast on all things Lord of the Rings. But let's be honest, it's mostly about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game by Games Workshop. I'm your host, Don, and this is episode 42. I'm here with a man who has recently returned to the game after a long hiatus and found a large pile of hobbits waiting for him. It's my trusty co-host, Mr. Andrew Brock. Hello, hello, sir. How's it going? That's right. It's going all right. I had to organize all of my hobbits. That was, sorry, I jumped into it immediately. What would I did this week? And it was all about organizing my little storage area to account for the ridiculous amount of unpainted models I just bought. Oh, you've got a whole bunch more now? Oh my god, yes. I bought so many hobbits. Like, I'm I'm, I'm hobbited galore. I have at least an 800-point hobbit army at this point. Oh, wow. Very good, very good. And unfortunately, you will not be able to bring it to our next tournament due to a... Uh, what do you call that? A cap limit, I guess. Model cap, that's number, right. Yeah. Number of models. Yeah. So. H- horde uh, armies do not do well to model caps. No. That yeah, that's too bad. Too bad. Oh well. Next next event, we'll uh, we'll have to bust out the Hobbit army. I hope so. Well, I first have to paint it. I've got thirty six down, but that's the thing about hobbits. Thirty six models is a drop in the bucket for hobbits. That's yeah. like a three hundred point army. <laughs> A real one, um, like eight hundred points. It's like a th- it's like a hundred models or something. Okay, before so. I start asking you how many more models you've painted, let me just run through what we're going to be talking about in this episode, just briefly. Oh, fair point. Of course, fair we're going to do a catch up like we always do, right? It's you know, of course with the territory. Main topic is going to be the anatomy of a hobbit. Hey, look at this episode. It's all sounds like it's about hobbits. Um, we're going to do all that is gold does not glitter because we mm. have like a. Still have several emails to get through. We're very uh, tardy in replying or reading them out. And yep. lastly, what have I got in my pocket? Uh, like oh, long, coming back. like return of the, uh, what have I got in my pocket? And that's an easy one. I'm not even going to ask you a question, really. Right? It's just going to be uh, interesting factoid. Oh, no, you have to ask a question. You have to ask a question. Okay, I'll form it in the... In the, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the form of a question, like Jeopardy style. Excellent. Right. And of course, you'll also you'll also have an episode, a section on the TBD Chronicles. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. No, honestly, oh. uh, like okay, so we're into the catch-up already. Here we go. Here so we go. you, you Here caught we go. me off guard with the TBD Chronicles. You know, I, I was actually this? even sort of thinking that it was kind of all behind us. He's like not expressed any interest, hasn't said a word, and like meanwhile, you were just being like you know cheeky and tight-lipped about it, and you, you already had written your thing. So no. I do not have a TBD Chronicles update this time, but I do have some ideas. I do have some ideas. Um, That's positive. Because because essentially what you did is you <laughs> took the cheap way out and, and left all the story arc decisions with with me. So, um, you know, you, unless you I'm going to do what... Go ahead. You know that's a bunch, that's a bunch of junk. <laughs> you got to properly give... You know, Garther, the respect he's due from, you know, recovering from a brutal fight against, you know, the essentially the villain of Act One. So come good on. Good point. Now. It's a good point. True. Yeah. 
All right. Well, I do have some ideas. I I, uh, I just have not yet put pen to paper, as they say. Ah, so, uh, see, see. Yeah, one so, of these days. No promises. I'm not going to force it out. It's got to come to me. You know, it's, it's got to come naturally. It's, yeah. it's got to be organic. And you know what? Yeah. Uh, here's the thing, uh, listeners. I will happily be that one person at the front of the line that says, "Pokes on." Hey, TBD Chronicles this week? <laughs> nope. Okay. No worries. Next week. TBD Chronicles? I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry, listeners. I got you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? I've, I've got the day free tomorrow, so maybe maybe the inspiration will strike me and I'll, I'll get started on it. But, yeah. I have too many other things that I'm thinking of in writing and developing. It's just... I'm an idea guy, right? So it's like I'm mm -hmm. constantly... I constantly have uncompleted unfulfilled ideas that are that are happening so i've got a few of those on the on the go as well so i guess i'll just have to stop working on those and start working on tbd chronicles well do you want me to do you want me to do the next segment as well then no give you an idea? come on that's not right oh. that's not right i'm giving him a pity pitch this is a pity yeah. ball oh yeah. a little pity lob ball I pity lob ball <laughs> Speaking of that, last time yeah. you shocked us by telling us you'd painted 36 models and just destroyed your painting challenge right off the bat. Since then, have you gotten anything done? And more, another 36? Another 36 No, done? no. It's, um, I did get all the characters that I was going to bring to another tournament finished. Very nice. So that would Very have nice. been um, Mary, Frodo, per uh, Peregrine Took... Um, and then it was like, um, whole foot, brace girdle, um, mm -hmm. lobelia, um, and I want to say, um, farmer maggot and I think one or two others. So just most, so most of the characters I needed for like the army, just in general, the core characters, the Baldo Toolpenny, I did as well. They're all done. Um, I just needed to base them. Uh, and then I, I wasn't able to make it to the event. So I didn't bother basing them yet. Um, cause I mean, they're characters, characters should have an appropriately mm -hmm. awesome base. It shouldn't be just yeah, some yeah. blah on, on a base, you know? Sure. Um, so yeah, I would say at least another seven models. Now, that's not an impressive feat because, you know, 36 I completed before. Uh, mm -hmm. That's because, you know, in the finance world, we have a thing called the annual audit where external auditors come in and mm -hmm. they grill you tooth and nail on everything you do throughout the year. And we are in the midst of, of I'm in the midst of an audit. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a normal thing that all companies go through. And uh, um, I'm week five of this wonderful audit. It is mm -hmm. not fun. Yeah, so, whatever. So it's you have so everybody else. Get, Get out of here, man. <laughs> it's called working like till 2 a.m. in the morning. Shush. What happened to Samwise Gamgee? I didn't hear his name in that long list. Sam sucks. Sorry. Straight up. Oh, poor Samwise. Oh, he's in the corner Sam all by himself, a, unpainted. That's exactly it. Sam will make it to a thousand point army if I ever make a thousand point army. He is unfortunately... To see that I'm mean, a bit of a side tangent here, but a little bit yeah. about hobbits that you should know about. Yeah. You never take a hobbit hero unless they have some sort of utility benefit, right? Well, um, you're, you're not no taking them to the, kill enemy models. That's no, sure. you're not taking melee hobbits, right? That's not a thing. Um, the only reason you have to take uh, Pippin in, in um, like a legendary legion is because it's the Pippin tax. The defenders mm -hmm. of the Shire Legendary Legion requires it. 
Um, and that he gives you a really terrible buff, which is you get to reroll wounds against monsters and heroes. Well, yeah, if he goes in to fight against a monster or a hero, he's often dying, so that's kind of mm-hmm. a silly buff. Um, and then uh, everyone else, you take them for utility buffs, right? They're all giving you something to the army. You never put them in the actual battle line. Um, if they're in the battle line, things are either going well or they're going so smooth, you just don't care if they die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the issue with Sam is that Sam requires Rosie to be good. And so all of a sudden, you have to have Rosie Cotton and Sam, and all of a sudden it's like a 70-point hero, which at the end of the day is just a mm. fight three to attack model that's strength three. Yeah, that's yeah. not exactly, <laughs> it's not Bard and his kids yeah. we're talking about here. It's, yeah. I do I do love the model of Sam. I, I forget what, it's good, what, it's where it's it came model. from, but the one where he's wearing the backpack and, and all that, mm-hmm. it's like a great model of, of him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you don't. What we just learned was that you don't take Hobbit heroes as like melee heroes. Is essentially no. what you said. Okay, well, seeing as we're going to be talking a little bit later about the anatomy of Hobbit of a Hobbit, we can put that to the test because we will be yeah, doing right. some analysis. That's right. That's right. right. So, how about okay. yourself? I have uh, I have technically forty two models painted. Yeah, you're you're ahead of me, dude. So what yeah. can I tell you? So <laughs> did, did I finish anything? Um, yeah. Maybe one or two. I'm there working on a whole bunch. I keep That's changing good. my mind on the army that I'm going to bring to uh, this upcoming tournament, the Council of the Wise. It's an annual mm. tournament here in Ontario, Canada that we have. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Yeah, but so... You know, I've been starting some models and acquiring some models and mm-hmm. changing my mind and whatever. And so in the end, I've just decided, you know what? I haven't actually brought my army of Dunland to a tournament yet. Oh. Um, so I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, forget all of this. Army of Dunland Legendary Legion. We're bringing that out. Um, that's for the singles tournament. And then Garrett mm-hmm. and I are going to be doing the doubles tournament. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, that's where the shenanigans come in. Like last year we no took worries. the Black Riders and we got the, we got, what do you call it? The most hated <laughs> army or whatever. Um, the you, you got a character for a trophy. lists or trophy or something like that. Um, I think the best part about getting that award is the trophy. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Look at that thing. Uh, yeah uh it's not appropriate conversation for a family friendly (laughs) podcast (laughs) enough said uh yeah so be misconstrued as a phallic symbol yes i'm sure there you go um so this year i'm i'm bringing something very different um one of the one of the things about this tournament is Derek, the organizer of the event, mm-hmm. has always put in the profiles, uh, homegrown profiles for the Blue Wizards, and yep. two of them, and spent quite a lot of time over the years, sort of zeroing in on the on the profiles, mm-hmm. and you know, most years nobody ever takes one of those models i've never taken one anyways mm-hmm. um and so this year for doubles taking a blue wizard oh um, yeah I bought, a three, I, I bought a 3d printed model uh mm-hmm. received it painted it oh so there's one model i painted boom there my, you go that's my 3D, right my blue wizard guy 
He's in the I case know. already. Um, so I'm taking that and teaming up with uh, teaming up with Garrett, who's bringing his stuff. I won't totally let the cat out of the bag here yet uh, on mm -hmm. what I'm taking. I'll talk about it next time. But it should be fun. Should be fun. Mm -hmm. uh, here's another clue. I did buy recently the. Um, I didn't buy the new box set, Battle of Osculiath, is it? Um, no. Just because I like, I own most of the stuff in the box. Like, I just really needed it for the rule book, the terrain, which I don't technically mm. need. And then I wanted to get the new Plastic Rangers, so I ended up just buying the rule book and the Plastic Ranger box set. So I'm working mm -hmm. on those three models now. Oh, I have to say, those Rangers are nice. They are very beautiful models. The ruins? No, the the Rangers, the Rangers. Oh, the, the Rangers. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, They're gorgeous. Went together really well, and they look great for sure. So mm -hmm. see how they come out with my crappy paint jobs. But anyway. come on now. <laughs> what about the uh, what about the ruins? The Gondor ruins also recently released the Gondor Tower and Gondor Mansion. Did you pick any of that stuff up, or do you okay. plan to? Okay. When they posted the price list, I yeah. had the same opinion that Alistair did. Um, which was, is this an April Fool's joke? Because those <laughs> prices are astronomical. It is a for little what you're much. Getting. It is a little much. Yeah. And it's like, I hate to say this, G-dubs, I do. Your terrain is very beautiful. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like competing against 3D printed terrain, you don't, like, you're even in terms of quality, right? Like I can buy terrain... Like the models, your models are phenomenal. Nothing beats that on the market, without a doubt. Love your models. Um, but the terrain itself, people can either DIY terrain or they can 3D print terrain of at least equivalent quality of what you're putting out and um, for a fraction of what you're charging. And yeah. I think to me, it's like, it's an area that GW hasn't quite zoomed in, as like zoned in on in terms of like price to quality ratio. And, um, I mean, stuff, some of the stuff will sell. Don't get me wrong. I mean, hey, I built an Osgiliath yeah. board using Osgiliath terrain from G-Dubs. So I do believe in their terrain and like it and enjoy it. I just, I don't think um, you're going to get too many biters on that terrain set. Well, the other part of that is, and, and last year, was it last year? We bought the the large Rohan. box of the Rohan terrain and it was a deal great right? stuff. you get so many sets deal. in it I forget how many sets you get in it well, there's like six six or seven sets and essentially you're getting one of them almost for free or something based on the mm -hmm. price points uh, but this here like they're selling they're selling all these terrain kits together you get one of the Gondor mansion one of the Gondor tower and two of the Gondor ruins and in Canada, they cost $100, $80, and $60. And so for the combined kit, you get two of the $60 for $120, one of the $80 for $200, and one of the $100 ones for $300. Or you can buy the combined kit for $300. Like, wouldn't you think they would give you a little bit of a discount? The problem is they're called one-click deals. They started this with 40K. Yeah. And literally, it's just like, click this for convenience, but we're not giving any cost savings. That, I think, is just a lot that It's a miss from G-Dubs. Um, if you gave somebody, like, 40 bucks cost savings, people would just buy the kit, the whole thing. And then, you know yeah, what? Yeah. You're still making good money. But anyways... 
Yeah. And so for me, I think I probably will still, in, in spite of agreeing with everything you just said, I probably will still buy the Gondor Mansion just because I think it is exceptional. Um, mm -hmm. I also like the fact that you can take the roof off and at least for the second story, use the interior of the building. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I will probably buy that for the uh, large sum of $100 Canadian to buy it, which mm -hmm. is, is very expensive, true, mm -hmm. but I think it's a good terrain piece that will last a long time and could use it for other games as well. The other stuff I'm not so keen on, that like I don't need more ruins, quite frankly, because I have mm -hmm. a lot of terrain and you know I've got other kits of ruins and a lot of homemade ruins. Um, and the tower, although it looks nice, I don't get it as 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 a terrain piece. Like a terrain piece to me is you know obviously you want it to be aesthetically pr pleasing, but. Um, it's more about like the footprint and blocking line of sight and playability. Whereas this doesn't really have much of any of that. Like it's a very small footprint and it's like a tall structure that, you know, doesn't have a huge impact on the game really. You can put a single miniature at the top. That's what I heard. Oh, and yeah. it's like, that's really terrible. Like it, yeah. it's, it, I would have loved what I think as a missed opportunity here is I would have loved to see a terrain piece, like a tower mm -hmm. terrain piece, which would have been like the tower which housed um, one of the the Palantirs. You know what I mean? Like that, like that central mm -hmm. tower that housed the Palantir and Gilgith, which was of course raided and they stole the Palantir uh, when that when Mordor, Mordor took over half the city. Uh, but like that tower would have been an amazing signature piece for the center of your table. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. Totally agree. So, yeah, I, I mean, the, the mansion, don't get me wrong. Will I buy, you know, specific pieces, maybe do an amplify my already existing Osgiliath table? Probably. But would I buy a whole table's worth? No, absolutely not. No, because you'd have to buy, like, at least, you know, two of everything or three of everything. And you're talking major dollars at that point. You know, oh, you're yeah. doing a whole but, table. You, you kind of have to make a lot of it yourself, really. Yeah. And if you really want to do a really beautiful table like they did, um, was it Lachlan um, down in Australia? Did that table before he got GW stuff. He did his oh, own Zorp, version Zorp. of Osculith. Yeah. Zorp, 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 that's right. He did his own table, but he 3D printed pretty much most, if not all of it. And mm -hmm. pretty much, didn't he also design a lot of it himself or have someone design it for him? Um, yeah, he did that, and also he did like a big community thing where he had people all over the world making wall sections for Minas Tirith. So he ended up with I don't know how many meters of of like castle wall that were homemade, but to like a specific design. It was beautiful. The whole thing at the end yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so he did a great job. Yeah, he did. All right, so another thing that we should probably talk about and changing the pace a little bit is mm. um, I haven't heard much talk in the MESBG community about this, but maybe I've just missed it. But like the recent sale of Middle Earth Enterprise or Enterprises to the Embracer Group. Um, mm. I kind of want to just talk about that. 
um, just like does it mean anything for Games Workshop and or for MESBG as the game? So we're going to be talking about the Games Workshop licenses. So I went on the um, Games Workshop website today and I copied off the two copyrights that they have posted there for, for our game, right? So I'm gonna read those first here and it's a little dry, so bear with me. So copyright 2023, New Line Productions, Incorporated, All Rights Reserved, Middle Earth, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, and the names of the characters, items, events, and places therein are trademarks of the Zowl Zents Company, DBA, I'm not sure what DBA means, DBA Middle Earth Enterprises under license to New Line Productions, Inc. So that's DBA the first means one. means doing business as. Doing business as. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Uh, and then the second one is copyright Warner Brothers Entertainment Inc. All rights reserved. The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smog. The Hobbit: The Battle of Five Armies. And the names of the characters, items, events, and places therein are trademarks of the Zal Zents Company, DBA Middle Earth Enterprises, under license to New Line Productions Inc. So those are the two copyrights there. Um, both mention this company, the Zoll Zenitz Company, um, mm. who are they bought the original rights. Yes, they're they're the ones that until recently they purchased the rights for all of those things I just read off in. I think it was 1976 because it was it was pre the original uh, animated movie of Lord of the Rings. Mm right That's so right. the one thing that i don't know um is how long does games workshop have those two licenses for and like i don't know um, it's interesting because the first time they um acknowledged that the the, the licenses were sort of renewed um mm -hmm. they had something splashed on their corporate uh website mm -hmm. but they that was like back like 2017 2018 kind of thing mm -hmm. um but they haven't released any new sort of splash saying we've renewed the middle earth license until like you know 2025 mm -hmm. 2027 something like that the only thing the only thing i've read is like you know anecdotal he said she said or my friend's friend who knows a guy who knows a guy said something yeah. and so like the, the gist is from people who are online say that games workshop bought this license from zol zenitz inc for quite some mm -hmm. time like potentially right. like late 2020s so who knows yeah so same with me like i've i've actually been looking um to try to find that answer and been unsuccessful but like you mentioned yeah i've i've read you know anecdotal things over the years you know on the the gbhl facebook group and so on uh but certainly not ever seen anything official about it but let me just get into this because like i want to talk about the sale of middle earth enterprises um mm -hmm. and and see if 
we can sort of digest if it actually means anything. So rather than me try to pretend that I know all about it, like I don't. So I, I've read a lot of articles about it and by a lot, I mean probably half a dozen. And after you've read about three, they tend to all say pretty much the same thing. So mm -hmm. like what I've done here is like, I've got a few, um, paragraphs i'm going to just read through them that kind of give you the nitty-gritty and these are um ones that i took from an article on cnbc and another on uh kotaku.com and kotaku they're a computer game company are they Swedish company Embracer Group said Thursday that it agreed to acquire Middle Earth Enterprises. Okay, so these articles are probably a couple months old. Which owns worldwide rights to The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit film trilogies, as well as other properties related to the books by J.R.R. Tolkien. Embracer is Brian... Embracer is buying Middle Earth Enterprises from the Zoll Zenitz Company, which has owned the film rights to the fantasy work since 1976. The Embracer Group did not specify the acquisition price for the Middle Earth Enterprises alone, but estimated the total cost of all eight acquisitions at $780 million. I also read in another article that the asking price when they first put it on up for sale was two billion so it says wow. here they they estimate the sale was 780 million although it's not confirmed um okay the deal gives embracer the rights to the lord of the rings and the hobbit film trilogies and any tolkien related movies video games board games merchandising theme parks and stage productions Embracer hmm. Group. I just so I don't know if that includes like this here, MESBG or or what. But anyway, to continue, Embracer Groups is a game and entertainment focused company with a market capitalization of eighty seven point five billion Swedish krona, about eight point three six billion dollars. Uh, the company said it plans to use the Tolkien intellectual property with Asmodee, its board and card game subsidiary that has licensed Tolkien IP in the past, and Free Mode, its new entertainment and video gaming group. The company said it will explore additional movies based on iconic characters such as Gandalf, Aragorn, Gollum, Galadriel, Eowyn, and other characters from the literary works of J.R.R. Tolkien. The purchase covers pretty much everything you'd associate with Lord of the Rings beyond the publishing of the books themselves, whose rights are held by Harper, Harper Collins. Note that by purchasing Middle-Earth Enterprises itself, Embracer doesn't necessarily need to go cancel or reassign any existing Lord of the Rings rights agreements. Warner Brothers has held the motion picture license in the 1990s, for example. And actually, as I read in one of the copyrights above, that's kind of one of the licenses was Games Workshop license was through Warner Brothers. That's mm -hmm. how Peter Jackson's trilogy was made. And the upcoming anime is clearly unaffected since it's specifically highlighted in Embracer's announcement. 
with Embracer owning both a ton of video game studios and also board game company Asmodee, who turn in who in turn own Fantasy Flight, which is another gaming company, you can mm -hmm. expect a lot of licensed games to follow suit as well. Note that Asmodee already owns the Lord of the Rings license for board games. Okay, so for example, Journeys in Middle-Earth, uh, big board mm -hmm. game. Um, this is a board game with miniatures as opposed to a tabletop miniature game. Which, mm -hmm. and, and as far as I know, my understanding, they fall into two different categories as far as licenses go. One's mm -hmm. like a tabletop miniature game and the other board game. Two different things, uh, mm -hmm. I think, as far as licensing goes. Um, mm -hmm. But so, so Asmodee... Well, Asmodee owns Fantasy Flight, apparently, and Fantasy Flight has the license for board games. But then mm -hmm. Asmodee is a game company in its own right, and for example, um, they they are now producing, what is it, the Marvel Protocol? Or yeah, is that yeah what Marvel it's Crisis Protocol. Marvel Crisis Protocol, yeah. So, so it's like, you know, neither are really games where you make whole armies, but certainly there are miniatures involved in, in both of those. Um so that's those are the things that I wanted to read out. But you know, essentially, so what does it all mean, or does it mean anything? You know, does it mean anything to us? Are fans of MESBG and Games Workshop's licenses? Well, that's a good question because um, if because well, they've bought the rights, all the rights that New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers have. Is that correct? Yes. So that means they would have bought the rights to the miniature game, tabletop miniature game. Yeah. Essentially, the way I look at it is that when the time comes for the license to be renewed, let's say, um, mm -hmm. Games Workshop will certainly be talking to different people, right? Like, well, at the very least. So if it stands to reason that, and this is based on my understanding of contract law and going through contract law um, it all depends on um, whether there are termination clauses written into the agreements mm -hmm. because um, a lot of these agreements are written in the extent that in the event that um, you know for example with this situation with licensing if the rights of the game have been bought by a company, by an embracer group from Warner Brothers or mm -hmm. by, from Zal Zenitz Inc., um, then what happens is the contract, just the header on the contract changes from Games Workshop uh, in you know a licensing agreement with Embracer Group. That's really mm -hmm. what happens. So almost immediately, um, Games Workshop is now in a, in a licensing agreement with Embracer Group, right? Yeah. And if there is a termination clause in it, they then Embracer Group could theoretically just terminate their licensing agreement immediately with Games Workshop. Yeah, have to wait till, till so we don't know. Us. We don't know if they could do that, and we don't know if they would even want to do that either, because they might not want to do it. Um, just because, like this, this company is now a company that actually owns a game company themselves. So when mm -hmm. the time comes out to to put this license out on the market for for bid they may choose just not to do it and have their own game company just produce the game or a new game with, with uh, See, or for Lord of the Rings. I think the challenge there 
with doing that sort of maneuver is you would alienate anybody who would play the game mm-hmm. by taking it away from Games Workshop yeah. and saying, okay, Fantasy Flight's now doing middle or strategy battle game um, and they're going to start releasing models. It's going to be a tabletop miniature game and anyone who would play it is like Games Workshop just had this, why would I go buy yeah, your stuff? Yeah, and, and, and sudden, because because they were doing that, and we're just supposing here, right? I'm, we're not we're saying we want this to happen. We're just talking about what could happen. But if if the scenario happened that you just outlined, you know, the company would probably do something like, you know, change the scale of the game. So you had to buy mm-hmm. new new miniatures or else like, what's the point? Uh, I don't want to put out another rule set where people are just going to end up using miniatures that they already own. The whole Mm -hmm. point of these games is to sell the models, not to sell Mm -hmm. the rule book, right? So, so there. The other other piece is, um, like, Embracer Group could say... Uh, you know what? One of Asmodee games is they're real. Asmodee games really focuses on skirmish level games. They love their half dozen models, right. two dozen models on a table. Mm-hmm. So they might just end up saying, "Look, you know, Games Workshop, you can't." This is all speculation. Might just take away battle companies, and say, "You know mm-hmm. what? We're going to do battle companies through Asmodee games. Keep doing yeah. your tabletop miniature thing. We're now going to do our version here, and we're going to make our models." Mm-hmm. Um, and the, these two pieces won't directly compete, right? Um, but we're able to do a portion of that, take away a portion of that, um, mm-hmm. and put it into Asmodee Games, Fantasy Flight Games, and make our own sort of you know middle of strategy battle game skirmish. Yeah, that could happen. I could see that happening, or something similar to that. I, I will say this: um, if I'm the Embracer Group, and I've bought the rights to middle or strategy battle game, I uh, you know, for, for like the tabletop yeah. indirectly. But what I'm yeah. saying is if I bought the tabletop miniature gaming rights, odds are I'm going to want to see a bigger return on my investment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so odds are I'm going to want the owner or the person I've, you know, uh, essentially provided those rights to, to increase production mm-hmm. and, you know, output. Show and me the so, chat. Well, exactly that. And generally what happens is any company that buys another company, the, com- the bought company's product price almost always increases because the, the purchasing company has now a huge loan they have to pay off with interest and mm-hmm. principal and all that stuff. Plus, they also want to start seeing a profit. So it's always that the prices increase. Now, would that be the case with Games Workshop? No, but what I would not be surprised to see whether that happens now mm-hmm. or whether that happens at negotiation time is Embracer Group sit down and say, look, this whole you doing half a development group on Metal Earth Strategy Battle Game, that's a big no-no for us now. You got to really go mm-hmm. all in on this and produce to a level where we're seeing a more appreciable return on investment or we'll just go okay. somewhere else. Okay, so yeah. you're... you're uh, so this you're is all speculation. It, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen. I, you know, we're just wondering what could happen or will will it even affect anything but yeah, exactly. like what your line of your line of thinking was like sort of bleeding into my my second point okay so first point we sort of have this cloud of questions over this purchase and whether it means anything to MESBG and games workshop now like beside that is 
this other point that I want to bring up. And that is that Games Workshop has obviously really slowed down on their MESBG releases um, in the recent past, like IE over the last year to six months. Like this, I think, is the first time in a long time where we literally have nothing on the horizon that's planned a planned release for MESBG that we've even had a teaser about, you know? Oh. So like we were hoping to hear something um, at Adepticon at the end of March, because something, you know, they, they do release a whole bunch of things that are coming out and they did do that for a lot of other games, work, games workshop I'm talking about, um, mm -hmm. uh, but we did not hear anything, right? So now we're hoping to hear something at the end of April uh, when Warhammer Fest happens, because again, they normally announce stuff there. So if we do not hear anything uh, at Warhammer Fest, then we kind of know that something is up, and they're they do like they are in kind of a suspended mode with uh, MESBG. And after that, I'm not sure what the next thing would be. Maybe Articon at the end of August. But again, it's been a very long time since, you know, there has been nothing for us to look forward to on the horizon for MESBG. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and this has been kind of a trend the last couple of years is that one, you're right, more recently, we're just seeing absolutely nothing. But mm -hmm. two, even the last couple of years, the, the, the level of um, output has been very low, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and yeah, we could talk about um, the, the Defense in the North supplement, which took, what, two years, three years, something like that? Um, and a lot of that was held up by COVID and that kind of thing from the printers. Right. But I mean, if that's the case, you'd have the next batch of releases ready to go because if mm -hmm. you already had Defense in the North ready to go in 2020, Presumably, right. you'd have three more releases ready to go before between now and then. Yeah. And so you should then start be trickling those releases out. And the fact that we're hearing nothing could mean Games Workshop has known about this purchase for some time. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be that they've been told they're not allowed to release any more stuff. Um, and that maybe they're supposed to wind down operations or maybe Games Workshop just doesn't want to invest the time in an unknown. Yeah, like it could be, you know, we right. have, like I've had this happen many times in my career uh, at my company when you have a contract with a customer and then that contract is suddenly uh, in jeopardy and essentially they just say okay all of the stuff we have in development for this customer now is on hold yeah. um, so it, it could be a situation like that and i have mm -hmm. no idea what the truth where the truth lies but it could also mean that the employees that are working on mesbg are just busy with other things, right? Like we know, you mentioned COVID and delays from COVID. Well, Warhammer the Old World, right, has has been delayed by at least a year, maybe two years mm -hmm. um, by COVID. We also know that um, Rob Alderman, who's, you know, the is he the head of like MESBG Productions or whatever? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like he's involved uh, with 
Warhammer the Old World. I'm not sure to what extent, but uh, I have yeah. heard his name mentioned in in stuff about Warhammer the Old World. And we already know that all of those rules writers and, and um, model designers are already working on Blood Bowl as well as MESBG. Yeah. Right? So maybe they just have too much to do and not enough people to do it. You know, it kind of reminds me of a quote from Lord of the Rings where Bilbo tells Gandalf, I feel thin, sort of stretched, like butter scraped over too much bread. Yeah. You know, just not enough talent to go around for all of these projects. Yeah, and I'll say this. um, If Embracer Group has not put a cease and desist or uh, hold the assets or we're taking away the rights to Middle Earth, if Embracer Mm -hmm. Group hasn't done any of that, if Games Workshop's plan is to hold the rights to Middle Earth, your strategy you're taking right now is not the one you should be taking. It's almost guaranteed to backfire on you because right now you should be over in overdrive producing middle earth stuff to prove to Embracer why you want to keep this, mm-hmm. you know, keep these rights. Because um, these are very lucrative rights um, to be able to make, to make middle earth models. There are, you know, probably thousands of middle earth players Um yeah around the world that buy product that buy continuously buy product and there's the type of player the type of MESBG player the type of player that plays MESBG is Mm -hmm. very much a diehard they are going to stick through GW through and through no matter what happens they're going to spend and they're going to spend and they're going to spend Mm-hmm. And no matter what the prices are, they'll spend just to support GW because yeah, and, and such I a would small put community. myself in that category. Yeah. Like I want the game to continue. I want to continue with Games Workshop. I'm paying prices that are higher than I'm comfortable paying, but I don't care. I'm going to continue to support the game and to support Games Workshop. Yeah, and but the, but what I'm finding here is like your player base is willing to do to go halfway. But I'm finding Games Workshop is not meeting them halfway. It's just really not stepping up. And I don't think it's I don't think it's Rob Alderman and the Middle Earth team doing this. I think there's a clearly some directive that they need to be doing working on other projects and other projects mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And of course, yeah. we don't see the numbers, right? Like I can't say like Middle Earth is the the, the fourth ranked game, um, the revenue generating game that that Games Workshop produces. It, it yeah. clearly is not because yeah. any um, IP created by Games Workshop, so 40K, Age of Sigmar, that's going to produce more money than MESBG will because Games Workshop has to pay royalties. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and even looking at the most recent, um, you know, uh, financial statements, right? Audited financial statements from Games Workshop, the most recent set, it talks about its top three games, and Middle Earth is not on that list. Mm-hmm. And when I do a search of Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game, or I mean MESBG, in these 150 pages of financial statements, it's mm-hmm. mentioned twice. Yeah. Right? So it's not like there's a big impetus to, like, talk about this game um, at a corporate level, which, you know, concerns me. Yeah. Um, considering MESBG is what made Games Workshop what it is today, you know? 
Well, um, it's funny because, like, if in terms of the amount of product for sale by Games Workshop, by Games Workshop for MESBG, there's quite a lot. Like, mm-hmm. there's quite a lot of product for sale, like, on their website. But if you look at the amount of new releases compared to even some of their smaller games, like, it's it's not even close. Like it's yeah. it's nowhere in even in the ballpark with like your 40k or or AOS, but I mean if you if you look at some of their other games, you know like um, Warhammer Underworlds or you know games like that, like they're always putting out new product for that. You see it all the time. Um, I, I think the, the 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 game that you can do the most direct comparison to is Blood Bowl, mm-hmm. and Blood Bowl is. That with the most recent version, they revamped every single army. Every single army is brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, now what you're seeing most of the time is you're seeing star players, right? Um, which has kind of been a trend with specialist games. They just they don't release the armies, the the warriors anymore. They're mm-hmm. releasing really just the star players or the, yeah, the heroes. Yeah. Um, and but we just see so many more, so much more attention being thrown at Blood Bowl. And you know, you might say, you know the, the the, the level of um, you know crafting, yeah, sorry, level of crafting involved in building a Blood Bowl teams, like 12, 14 models, whatever it is, um, 12, 14 models, whatever it is, relative to the, the work that's needed in MESBG, you could say, well, you know, it's, it's easier in Blood Bowl. The reality is it's not. Mm-hmm. Like producing six sculpts, digital, these are digital assets here, yeah. six digital asset sculpts for an army, you can translate that into like nine different units by just tweaking them slightly here and there. So like that argument doesn't fly, doesn't hold water. That like, oh, you know, Blood Bowl is an easier game to produce because there's less models. No, when it comes to to digital assets, once you produce the base, you make like six different tweaks and all of a sudden you have like 44 different combinations of models. So So for myself... Um, like Chris and Garrett uh, from the podcast, both into Blood Bowl now. Chris is really big into it, always has been. Garrett's into it now. Uh, both are playing in a league, having a ball with it. Um, so I finally got my Blood Bowl set out that I bought when, when it came out. And I just finished painting my Black Orc team. So mm-hmm. the Black Orc team, let me count here, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. It comes with 12 models. And when I open the box, um, there are two identical sprues in it, each with six models on. So it's kind of the equivalent of buying a box set of plastic Middle Earth models. It's mm-hmm. just that instead of there being four sprues, there's only two because you mm-hmm. don't need as many models to play the game. Um, right. But they're amazing models. There's a lot of variety in the kits. And mm-hmm. essentially, you know, other than the subject matters, there's no difference at all between this and MESBG, really. It's a plastic kit sold in the box. Yeah. So I, I just feel like that in recent times, um, the, the, the well is dried up, or maybe the interest at a high level, senior management level at Good Games Workshop, has dried up on Games Workshop. And I think if that's their play, I think it will not go well mm-hmm. with Embracer Group. And either yeah. we're going to see huge change for Embracer Group to continue letting Games Workshop have mm-hmm. the rights, or we'll see Embracer Group take the rights away. And MESBG will go 
the way of either Asmodee Games and Fantasy Flight, or it'll go the way of Blood Bowl with that living rulebook, and we just continue fixing it in the community. Yeah, right, right. So yeah, so if if the plan is to retain the license, probably the best strategy is not the do-nothing strategy. <laughs> right, no, no. The best strategy is develop like crazy and show that you can produce and, 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 and yeah, give Yeah, and they uh, can, like, oh my God, I don't know why they're holding back. But again, so many questions about it that, you know, maybe the, if we knew the answer, it would it would make what's happening now seem obvious, but... I'll say this, if they lose the rights due to like not trying enough, you're going to get a lot of angry customers who mm. are buying your product that now have no game to play. Well, yeah. And I mean, regardless, even if the games are, or even if they lose the license or, or the game comes to an end, um, you know, I still have my rule book. I still have my miniatures. You know the mm-hmm. community will will keep the game alive for at least a while. We'll we yeah. have to see how long it lasts. But you know, all of, all good things come to an end. Like uh, MESBG does have, you know, a, a, a certain lifespan. Um, whether it's going to be one year or twenty years or a hundred years, who knows? But you know, when when that game comes to an end, it won't be because the game is bad. It'll be because of some situation like the one we're talking about right now. And realistically, it'll be because Games Workshop chose to let it go. They yeah, can that, put maybe, a lot yeah. of resources into this to keep it going strong. Mm-hmm. But if they choose not to, then there are consequences. Yeah, and and maybe at the time for them that would be the right call. You know, it comes down to it's it's a business, it's dollars and cents. So if it oh, doesn't absolutely. make if it doesn't make sense to, you know, their penny pinchers to to keep the license, then they won't. It's just how business works. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Well, enough of that nonsense. Let's move on to our main topic. Alright, so we're now about a month later after recording the first half of that episode. Uh, yeah. It took a little bit a little longer for us to touch base again. So uh, we're, we're kind of switching gears from what we originally planned. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, the first part of our episode, as you've already listened to, um, we ended up on a pretty long tangent about the GW licensing and you know, the purchase of Middle Earth Enterprises and what it could mean to the game. And now we're just at the the end of the Warhammer Fest weekend, last weekend right. in April. Um, so we have now that uh, to add on to the, the pile or the discussion. Um, so that's where we're going to head with this one. Um, we'll save our main topic we were going to talk about maybe for the next episode. All right, that works for me. All right, so um, let's just put aside the MESBG component um, okay. of the, of the releases for a second. Did did you mm-hmm. watch all of the releases, uh, Andrew, or no? I did not. Didn't have a you chance. did not. Didn't have a chance. No. Yeah, I missed the uh, Warhammer 40k and the Age of Sigmar, um, but I did see some pictures. So so they got they both got some stuff, of course. Um, 
but I did see the uh, the remainder. Pretty much, I think the remainder. So, you know, mm-hmm. most of the games, all of the games workshops, like they own the IP, so they're always developing stuff. Um, yeah. So, Un- Underworlds and Warcry, you know, they both got nice releases. And also, I don't know if this is a normal thing for Warhammer Fest, but they provide like a roadmap of future releases. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I don't know if you saw that, but they so they go by season, like mm-hmm. you know winter, spring, summer, fall sort of thing, and give you an idea of of what's going to be released. And and both of those games had you know like a full year's worth of releases planned. I feel like yeah, that's that's the typical norm. They probably um, also like tease it for you so they don't get the full details of the release. Kind of get some hints here and there. Yeah. Um, this morning, which is it's Sunday, so today was the last uh, stuff that was being shown. So they had uh, Warhammer: The Old World. Mm-hmm. So there was a big, big announcement there. So it looks like they're coming out with uh, a box set, which will be uh, Tomb Kings versus Bretonia, mm-hmm. right? And they had a couple of models there, uh, which were both very nice, very nice models. Oh yeah. Um, then Horus Heresy uh, releases, so they had a, like a plastic Knight Lancer, like a big model. Um, mm-hmm. There was a couple of characters there, and then one of their huge campaign books, like a really thick book, like you know, two or three mm-hmm. times the thickness of the average MESBG campaign book. And they also announced that there would be a multi-part plastic assault squad released which was i think a big deal for that game because it hasn't ever happened yet so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and again roadmap for future releases Mm -hmm. um the last thing they kind of showed which was kind of of interest to me because i did used to play this along with well i played most of their games but uh, they released a short teaser video uh, which everybody says was to do with the return of the epic uh, game mm-hmm. so epic 40k or whatever you have so that that's of interest to me because if i don't i can't see myself ever getting back into 40k but that's a possibility that one yeah Jeremy Kevin's like with with 40k it got pretty ridiculous with titans i'm gonna say titans but um yeah you can yeah. use titans from Fort forge world um the knights the airplanes all that kind of stuff and it was just like this is seems to be a significant deviation from you know the, the usual sort of 40k skirmish slightly larger than skirmish style yeah but with like epic it was to, that was what you were getting into you were getting into playing with knights you're getting into playing with the big yeah. big stuff you could and have anything cool because in that game yeah, because like half your stuff, like a third of your stuff could die right out the gate. And it's just like, well, I got so much stuff like that, that doesn't really phase me. Yeah. And if I remember right in that game, like having your unit hit by like a shot is basically death. You know, yeah. you shoot. If you hit your you, the guy's pretty much done. Remove that unit, <laughs> if I remember right. But anyways. OK, so MESBG. um why don't you take it away on that point? Because there's a lot to talk about, all things considered. So, um, I never watched the um, the actual uh, preview, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I just got a message from you and Garrett on Facebook yeah. saying, "Hey, you know, the preview's done." And I said, "What happened? What happened? What was released?" And there was kind of like you know crickets. Uh, and so I jumped on the Warhammer community website. And I'm like, "Oh, what was released?" And 
a diorama was released. Yeah. Of, you know, the four hobbits evading the Witch King in that moment where the Witch King on horse is looking down over them. And the yeah, four of them are called, hiding in front of the It's called Get Off the Road. Get Off the Road. Get Off the Road. And my initial thought was some rather colorful language and then diorama. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And so thoroughly deflated. Um, but then you mentioned that they said that um, their hands are tied, but that there's mm-hmm. more news coming. Mm-hmm. And which immediately leans into our discussion about licensing and whether they yeah. are having a licensing issue. Mm-hmm. And it seems that they've all but confirmed that, yeah, they've been having a licensing issue. Yeah. Um, with And the impact of uh, the Embracer Group buying the Middle Earth uh, rights has absolutely impacted their ability to produce uh, and, um, you know, send out models for, um, for mm-hmm. sale. Um, and, you know, the part that has me kind of hopeful is when they say more news to come. Which mm-hmm. is them saying, um, you know, it sounds like, you know, they've gone through the renegotiation process. Maybe they just hadn't wrapped it up prior to Warhammer Fest. Um, mm-hmm. But regardless, it sounds like, you know, in a hopeful sense, fingers crossed, they're still holding on to the license and yeah. that there's going to be more news to come. Yeah. And um, I've got some hopeful suggestions to um, but the Embracer <laughs> group, but. Um, uh, what were your thoughts? I'll start with you. What were your thoughts? Okay, about the well, whole thing? let's. Um, I'll tell you what. Let's talk about the model and what we think of the model, um, okay. because honestly, that's a very small part of this conversation. So, right. so let's just let's just talk about that and and move on. Um, for me, I, I I thought the model like like I've been reading all kinds of reaction posts online to to this and like anything you know some people like the model some people don't like the model. Um, mm-hmm. There's been some some criticism of of it. Um, I think it's it's pretty nice. Like I, like mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with it. Uh, I didn't really study it in depth because I pretty much know I'm not going to be buying it Um, just because it's a collector's uh, piece and I'm not really a collector. Uh, Mm -hmm. Also, I think I probably have around 20 mounted ring wraiths, so I really don't need another one. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a model that's going to cost as much as that's going to cost, like I'm just not a, I'm just not a good enough painter to do to do that justice to put it on my shelf so yeah. so to me that's uh, oh that's cool and I know a lot of people will love that and that's awesome uh, I think it's a decent model but yeah mm-hmm. not for me it's not for me yeah I would agree all the same reasons I mean yeah. you can't even use the hobbits which I think was a bit of a, a miss on GW's part mm-hmm. Because, I mean, like, they, they, they showed right afterwards, they showed that the model can be broken down into multiple components, and you can mm-hmm. actually use the ring wraith. Um, but what area I feel like they missed on was, why not just create four new Hobbit models to go with this, right? Because mm-hmm. you don't, I mean, like, the, the only ones you have are Frodo and Sam and, and uh, Mary and Pippin, um, all four of them together I'm referring to, are um, uh, the original Fellowship. Right. I mean, you've got 
those two, four models are you know recreated in different sequences, um, like the, I should say, like the mm-hmm. the breaking of the Fellowship at Amon Hen, uh, but then the most recently, uh, you've got Marion Pippin on and Treebeard, um, but I felt like there's an opportunity here to like maybe do something different with those four models. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you're buying this diorama, you're still getting four hobbits that you can play with and a witch king, right? And the other piece here is I thought, like the iconic scene isn't the witch king on his horse. The iconic scene is the witch king putting his hand on the tree trunk, you know, leaning over and they see like like the worms and maggots coming out yeah. and they're, they're afraid. That's the iconic scene. So just having the witch king sort of stand there looking down, it's just like, yeah. why not include an, an unmounted version where the witch king is looking over top? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that could have been a possibility, and I think you're right that 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 part um, does certainly uh, come to mind when you think of that scene. Um, we didn't mention too, but this model is part of the 20th anniversary of the release of the Lord of the Rings movie, so mm-hmm. it's kind of good that they that they they did release it in in that sense. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, enough about the model, because I don't think either of us are going to buy it. So nope. um, it's not the type of model we would buy, but yeah, mm-hmm. like I said, a lot of people are going to love it. So, it's a really beautiful model. Yeah, what do you think about the community reaction to, <laughs> to the reveal? Oh, boy. Now we're going to it's, it's, it's been pretty Remember. one-sided, I think. Uh, actually, it has not from what I've seen. Oh, well, I would really? Say it's, it's, it's more, I would say it's more... Um, in the unimpressed, um, I'm expecting more GW kind of sense. I feel like there's yeah. almost three camps here. There's three camps here. Mm-hmm. There's the unimpressed GW. Um, I expected more. Now you know they always cite the, mm-hmm. the same reasons. GW doesn't put enough effort or work into this. There's you know there's just they're not putting enough you know um, emphasis into the game, and it really is showing. It's really disappointing, right? So there's that camp. And there's the camp that's saying, really disappointed GW, um, but it clearly it looks like this is a licensing issue, um, mm-hmm. so we understand that your hands are tied, but almost like once you solve this, we expect you to mm-hmm. pr- produce. Yeah, and I, have con- I actually have not seen any posts with that tone, to be honest, and probably it's just... I missed them, but anyway, go ahead. There's key comments here and there, like nobody's re- mm-hmm. like no one creating a post about it, but there's key replies. Yeah, and then there's the camp that's like, and I swear, stop bandwagoning. It's like, oh look, we're getting something from GW. Stop worrying. The game was almost dead. That was like six years ago. Get over yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. At this point, it, like the game was almost dead. Let's just be grateful for whatever we get. And it's like you have mm-hmm. this like ardent, diehard, protect GW um, and support them because they're almost in some ways they're afraid that if they don't, the game just goes poof, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the camp that says super disappointed, you got to do better, right? Yeah. Um, so there's huge swings in the spectrum, and I feel like yeah. there's a lot more in the super disappointed really yeah. fed up my patience is now gone you haven't yeah. communicated anything to us to indicate that there was a licensing issue <laughs> holding this up yeah. you know what I mean 
um, that that's like the majority like I certainly have seen some posts or replies to posts in the other two camps that you mentioned um, but like to me it's like an 80 20 thing it's like 80 percent mm. are are these sort of negative posts and to be fair to GW I think some of the posts or some of the people that have written the posts um, are kind of must be sort of uninformed about what's going on because like I've got some quotes here. So it's like one of the quotes, uh, which was a reply to a post on one of the big Facebook groups was there are rumors they might be losing the license. Okay. So clearly you don't know what's going on um, behind the scenes to write something like that. And like th that tone seemed to be pretty prevalent in quite a few of the responses I saw. Mm -hmm. um, then there was, they don't care about the community. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a common reaction. Mm -hmm. um, I, I honestly think that's an unfair statement given the situation. Um, you know, and I'm not here to defend games workshop wholesale you know what i'm saying it, it's like let's just look at the situation from what we know and i don't think that's a fair comment they don't care about the community what do you think um i feel like it's a fair comment in so much that if you know your license um, is going to get renegotiated, which it does with new companies coming on and owning, uh, buying mm -hmm. the merchandise rights. You should communicate that to your your current customer base, and with with and with an air of like like. And I understand both sides to the to the picture to this this yeah. uh, this strategy. Um, on the one hand, by communicating it to your customer base, the negative side, people stop buying product, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then everything grinds to a halt, right? Sales drop. But the other end of it is by communicating to my customer base and saying with a, with a hopeful spin, saying, look, our, our, we will keep this license. Our goal is to ensure that we renegotiate fairly for both ourselves and you know, embrace yeah. the group. But we wanted to just let you, the player base, know that there will be no new releases or development coming out outside of these mm -hmm. four or five different things. Right. Yeah. So, and so what you're saying is if I hear you part, right. Yeah, if I hear you right, um, they don't care about the community as a fair statement, in your opinion, because they didn't come out and tell everybody that you should expect delays or, you know, we're renegotiating. Am uh, I, I right I would, there? I would say it's a fair statement in that GW didn't communicate. They right. care about yeah. the community a lot because mm -hmm. the players that work at GW are part of the community. They're not yeah. separated from the community, so they're very much intertwined. Yeah, yeah. And, and I totally understand why all of these individuals, I'm sure Jay, Claire, Dan, Whistle, and Rob Alderman wanted to say something, but their hands mm -hmm. are tied, right? The yeah. GW corporate no above yeah. is no like, say nothing. But I think that's just the wrong t state to take, because I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, Games Workshop, um, 40K, AOS, Warcry, you own the IP, but more importantly, your models are top notch. Mm -hmm. They are the best of the best. No 3D printer, no, no non-GW sculptor is coming close to what you're doing. 
MESBG, on the other hand, not the case. Mm -hmm. Your character model's still well above what current sculptors are doing, but every other model that you've got, which is a lot of the warrior models, a lot of the uh, elite models, everyone else is sculpting better than you because you just haven't put the resources in to fix it. Yeah, so, so anything that's like 15 or 20 years old, it's, it's kind of tired now. It's very tired. So you aren't dominating the market enough to be able to take a strategy of silence and not have it burn you. You need to take a strategy of openness because also, unlike 40K and AOS and all these other games, the community with MESPG is very tight. It's very mm -hmm. tight. Right, yeah. especially GBHL, because that they're the ones who sort of reinvigorated it. And, and mm -hmm. if someone said to me, um, you know, 40k, sorry, MESBG is yeah, the licensing is on hold. It's, it's questionable about its future. Would I stop buying product? No, I wouldn't. No, you know, I wouldn't. I'd keep buying. Even when I found out about the licensing thing, I still spent an exorbitant amount of money on GW <laughs> Hobbits, right? Because yeah. I'm like, it's going to be a solution that's solved. Because at the end of the day, even if the license is lost and the game stops, it's still not going to stop in basements, in friends. Like, it's not going yeah. to it's not going to end because the community is so well established. So GW, yeah. big big miss on not communicating this to your to your player base. And yeah, and, that's and, the part and, about the GW, GW not caring, and that comes from GW corporate, not the MESBG team. In which case, GW corporate. No offense, get your head out of your butt. That's a really poor tactic. Okay, so you've kind of changed my mind on on my opinion about uh, don't care about the community, um, given that angle that you've just laid out there. I do think it that that is is a fair statement, um, just because of the silence. I think the silence isn't fair, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Okay, how about this one, Games Workshop? doesn't deserve the license to produce minis for this franchise. Oh. Harsh. That's harsh. No, I don't think it is. I think if they didn't have a licensing issue... Oh, now, now mm -hmm. we're diving into the good stuff. If they yeah. didn't have a licensing issue, and this is legitimately GW's tactic, I would say absolutely, mm -hmm. you don't deserve this license anymore because you are not getting the best return on investment of the money you're spending on it. And let's take a step back here. So we know that Rob Alderman, who's the head of the MESPG team and the head of Blood Bowl, is also involved in the old world. Is mm -hmm. that correct? So From what I hear, yeah. What I'm hearing is that, or what I'm th hearing or thinking I'm hearing is that Rob Alderman head up, heads up all specialist games at Games Workshop. And Jay Clare and Dan Entwistle write all the rules to those three specialist games, of which, you know, the old world's going to be huge, right? It was Warhammer Fantasy, so it's going to be 30, mm -hmm. 40 armies, blah, blah, blah. And so that tactic is fine, provided you have the proper amount of staffing to be able to keep all three mm -hmm. games moving at an appropriate pace in terms of development. But what we've noticed is that when MESBG, um, when the MESBG team to also took on Blood Bowl, our development really schedule slowed substantially. Yeah, Not it was pretty that, dramatic. I, like I would say it went down to about 50% almost immediately. Yeah. 
And on top of that, it changed from like developing, it, it, it very much changed to the, the process of we're developing heroes only and some select elite units, right? Mm -hmm. That was it. That's all we're doing. The least amount of sculpting possible. Okay. Which I have questions about myself, but anyways. Um, and now they're taking on the old world, it sounds like. So if you are taking on more and more with the same team and you're not providing more, you know, staff to handle this, what's going to happen is that the GW pacing, um, like development pacing and release schedules is going to slow down even more. Yep. I mean, you literally have only either it's only created two models. The first two models they say created for the old world. This thing has been in process that's been in, in product development for like four years. So either you have a massive release schedule of models or you've just only created two, in which case that's ridiculously slow. Um, but assuming they have created more, the question becomes are you going to divert resources necessary to boost the um, development of Middle Earth now that the Embracer group is giving you a wealth of like material. This is a wealth of source material. The new Warren mm -hmm. Rohan movie that's coming out. Um, the Embracer groups talk of releasing new movies with current characters from the, the, you know, the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. I'm like, there is a wealth of stories and rules and armies and supplements that are coming out that you could dive into, get your teeth into very easily. Not to mention second age stuff, not to mention first age stuff, because if you get the access or the rights to Middle Earth from the Embracer group, you're getting mm -hmm. access and rights to everything from the Cimmerillion to everything. The, yeah, like the I think, I think that's, an, an, that's an important point because I don't think like we're just talking about the license to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit anymore. No. Um, because the Embracer group has come right out and said that you know they have big plans and far as what they're going to do in producing you know new mm -hmm. movies or shows or whatever and so all of that will potentially fall into this bucket as well mm -hmm. yeah so it's like, a good it's a good point like amazon owns the rights to the appendices all of their season that they created has been from source material from the appendices. They don't own the Cimmerillion. They don't own anything else. Okay. Mm -hmm. The Embracer group owns it. And so I'm willing to give GW um, an olive branch here to say, look, I totally understand that you had to pause development um, mm -hmm. because of licensing. I totally understand that you wanted to push more stuff into um, the specialist team like Blood Bowl, etc. Yeah. But now Embracer Group has come along and it sounds like you're going to take the license. This is your chance to prove that you deserve it. And I'm really, really hoping Embracer Group sticks yeah. it to them by saying you have to have a dedicated MESPG team with a dedicated number of staff to pre and mm -hmm. a dedicated release schedule of X number of releases, etc. in a given year. And if you can't do that, you forfeit the rights of the lease of the license immediately. Yeah. Like I'm really hoping they stick it hard to GW because this again reeks of GW corporate trying to squeeze the most amount of money out of a game um, by putting the least amount of effort into it. And I know that's not something the MESPG team would do. If they mm -hmm. could, they would pour as much love and attention into this game as they have yeah. for themselves personally. And so absolutely, I think that comment's fair, uh, but I'm willing to give a pass on that comment if um, 
GW comes out the gate strong with news and changes about what's going to happen at MESPG in the future. Yeah, I also think that comment is fair as well. Um, I think we're going to come back to what you were just talking about in, in a little bit because I got another couple of points on that later. Um, but let's uh, let me give you the last quote that I, I wrote down, okay? And this is about the model. Um, it's not even a proper gaming option. It's just a collector's item. Mm-hmm. Uh, my reaction to that comment is, it's like, okay, so the person is disappointed because it wasn't a, a, a gaming miniature, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my reaction, like my initial reaction was, was similar. It was disappointment. and Oh, like that's all there is. And it's something that I'm not even going to buy. But like after thinking about it for a long time, I don't even think what they released is even important. What do you no, think? Absolutely not. I think if you are producing a limited amount of you have a, you have a limited amount of releases, I think that you need every release possible to be something that can be played with on tabletop. And mm-hmm. having literally a glorified super expensive witch king this is not worth it. If you had the four hobbits in there, I would say absolutely. Sure. Perfect. You, that, that's more, that's an opportunity to, to buy the hobbits in a different way than before. Um, because there have been dioramas in the past, um, but the diorama itself, like the components of the diorama, were very small relative to the models you were buying, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Azog versus Thorn diorama. It was the only way to get Azog with armor and the flail, right? Right. Um, and, but the diorama itself was fairly simple. It was just ice right underneath them. Yeah, it was a pretty basic uh, one. Whereas in this case, the diorama is the majority of the, of this component. Mm-hmm. And I'm not getting a whole lot of... Uh, like stuff in here from a gaming perspective like I can't even use um, that that diorama as part of my mm-hmm. display board because it's not even usable yeah I, I agree but like I would remind you that like this has been touted as a collector's piece not yeah, for gaming and also it's part of the 20th anniversary so so people that are into collecting um and who knows it may be only available for a limited time we don't know right um uh, and and there are people who really enjoy like collecting that kind of sort of sought after or you know uh rare kind of items if it's going to be a limited release i don't know i mean if your team has excess capacity to put something like that together, absolutely go for it. But if your team does not have excess capacity mm-hmm. and they could have actually done something different, like built another thing that could have been usable by the game and the player base, you're, you're poor return on investment. Yeah. So anyways, um, suffice it to say that I think for the, the majority, people were upset and disappointed at the MESBG release and, and nothing against the model that was released. They just mm-hmm. expected something else or more, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, but like, I think we get a good idea of what your reaction. So here, here's my reaction. I had the okay. same kind of reaction. I was disappointed at first um, because we didn't see any Kazadum. No, I'm just kidding. Just, just because it was just one model that I wasn't going to buy, nothing for gaming. So yeah, I was disappointed. But um, 
after thinking about it and after editing our uh, episode here where we talked about the licensing, um, I really think this is like a situation where you kind of have to look at the bigger picture and mm-hmm. and read between the lines, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to me, like the thing about this release, the most important thing about this release is that there was something revealed for MESBG. And I think based on what was said and what is going on in the background, that is hugely significant. Um, I said before, like, honestly, I don't even think it's important what the model was. Um, regardless, it could have been a book, it could have been a model, anything. Um, mm-hmm. Why do I think that? It's because the reveal that we had for MESBG here, it's symbolic. Mm-hmm. That That's what it is. Um, I know there's a lot of disappointed people out there right now, including me, because we didn't get more. Um, no book to look forward to and no new models on the horizon. But if you're like me and you think that this game needs to stay with Games Workshop, then we just got some really good news at Warhammer Fest. Mm-hmm. The hosts of the show, they didn't say much, but what they did say spoke volumes. And like their presentation was literally like three minutes long or something. It was like super mm-hmm. short. So not very much was said. But again, read between the lines here, okay? So one of the quotes, our hands are tied right now. Okay, you mentioned before, this no doubt means that they are in negotiations to renew the license for Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit with the owners. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not complete, like the negotiation is not complete, so they cannot show more models, etc. They are almost certainly under a non-disclosure right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, this reveal was Games Workshop saying to us, we are working hard to retain the license for this game. We just can't talk about it right now. Yeah. However, if their hands are tied, so let's say they're on a non-disclosure, right? Then Mm -hmm. why are they able to even show this one model? You know, if you're not allowed Mm -hmm. to show anything, then you're not allowed to show anything. But they did show something. So I take it to mean that they were given permission to show one model. And it's more a a move that's designed to retain consumer confidence that Games Workshop will retain the license. Mm -hmm. To me, that's what it says. It's like, okay, our hands are tied. Well, if your hands are tied, why are you showing anything? And it's Mm -hmm. because they were allowed to show something. Mm Mm-hmm. And that makes me realize, okay, this is good news because it means that negotiations are probably going well. Hopefully it's just a matter of time and they're being allowed to show a model so that we will all realize that they still have the license. And Eddie also said, I think it's Eddie, uh, we have loads of really cool stuff coming. Well, they certainly wouldn't have said that if the, if it didn't look like they were going to retain the licenses for the game. Mm-hmm. So that's another good sign. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. And lastly, they said, quote, more news very soon. So again, not something you would say if it looked like things were going badly with the negotiation. So two things there. 
Um, more news coming. Sounds like a very dedicated um, Warhammer community splash, mm-hmm. um, where they're gonna, you know, reveal what's going on. Probably less detail oriented than not. Maybe sort of a congratulatory. We kept the license, um, and then here's all the things to look forward to that we haven't been able to release. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a huge splash of articles on Warhammer Community once the deal has been signed with all yeah. the models and supplements that are coming. Or I would, ex- I would expect that if things go well and they retain the licenses and eventually they may make an announcement, they'll throw out, just like they did here at Warhammer Fest, they'll throw out a couple of imminent releases and then provide a roadmap for the game. And I think, mm-hmm. honestly, we need to see that. That's what we we have to see that like we we haven't really had that in the past. It's it's been more of like hints and suggestions mm-hmm. of like what we're gonna see. Um, like I think we need to see a little bit more concrete uh, <laughs> information for that mm-hmm. uh, going forward. At least after after they announce they've retained the license. I don't want to see that because then that's going to kill our predictions. How are we supposed to predict anything if you're just going to well, give us all it, the information in the roadmap? Some of the some of the um, some of the roadmap items are like a mystery army. So it's not mm. necessarily that they give away the farm, you know. Mm. It, it's just that they're they're basically committing to a release. So I'll say this: that does help our, our predictions a bit better because right now it's just like we're just shooting the sky. Pshoo, pshoo, pshoo. We have no clue what's coming. <laughs> Uh, I'll say I find it intriguing the choice of the model that was released Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's a happy accident or if it's very symbolic as you said Um, because I mean what happens in that scene and that is the hobbits hiding out from the witch king Mm -hmm. and the witch king almost finding them and almost taking the ring from them yeah, like right. the whole thing could have ended right there at the very beginning of the story. And it's like, when you think about that, if you think about it from the perspective of like the Hobbits, our game's workshop, the Witch King is the Embracer Group, and the Ring is the licensing agreements. Yeah, oh, I like You it. know, like that model is very symbolic in many ways. Yeah. Because it's like, we're releasing this to say, look, um, and, and you made a point about the reveal, uh, and I want to sort of touch on that a bit. Um, the reveal isn't the model. The reveal is we're still going forward with with the license. Yeah. That's the reveal. Yeah. And it's like, this is a big reveal. Yeah. Um, which is like, you know, this it's a huge reveal, which is, look, we're still going forward with the license. Tons more to come, which means it, it's done. It's dusted. We, we've, mm-hmm. we've, we're in the final stages of negotiation, which as someone who's dealt with a lot of contracts in his life can take months to sort of finalize little fiddly things. Oh, yeah. Um, um, but I mean... To say also like, oh, we've got this stuff, all this stuff coming. They've already, they're still producing, which means yeah. great confidence in GW um, that they're keeping the license. Yeah. Um, so, so to me, this is a wonderful news. Um, but the biggest asterisk I'd put behind this is, and you make a point, Donna, saying it, mm-hmm. we need a, 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 re, a renewed um, fervor and, and interest and desire and passion from GW yeah. to put a proper um, schedule and a proper team behind MESBG to push this forward. You can't half arse it. 
like you've been doing for the last like four years, it's not working anymore. Your team player base is getting real frustrated with that and you yeah. really got to step up. And I guarantee you your licensing, uh, the Embracer Group is also going to feel the same way if you're not producing. Yeah, so um, you've jumped into my next topic, which is uh, if they do retain the license, then what? And so y- you're saying, okay, you know, you got to step up your game, basically. And mm-hmm. I agree. Like, they're support of the game. Like, I want Games Workshop to retain the license. I really do. It's their mm-hmm. game. Um, and I think they can do the best job with it of, of anyone right Mm -hmm. uh miniatures rules the whole shebango however i agree um that's one part where where my support of games workshop sort of peters out a little bit and that being that their support of the game you know okay fine you know they've supported the game great we got something instead of nothing that doesn't fly anymore right Mm -hmm. and it won't fly to the embracer group who is now embarking like on a a whole new generation of products they're going to come out for for this franchise right whether it be movies or television shows or or whatever right so that's probably not going to fly for for them either so like i think the quality of releases have been really really good for from games workshop like i would say like an eight or nine out of 10 on the quality of their uh, rules and supplements and miniatures. However, I think the amount of support the game uh, gets has been really poor and specifically gets from Games Workshop. Like availability of the models uh, along Mm -hmm. with new models and supplements. Honestly, on all of that, I would probably give them like a four out of 10. Mm Mm-hmm. You think that's fair, or you think it should be higher or lower? Oh no, I, I think it's actually. I would say it's actually lower. I'd say it's like a good three out of ten, two, three out of ten. Um, you make a you make a great point. It's like this isn't just about new releases. This mm-hmm. is about what do you have in stock? How long is it staying in stock? It's about um, you know. Like if I want to go to a sh- the Games Workshop store and buy something, not to the physical store, like the online store, and buy an army, you have stock on hand to be able to do that. And the answer is generally no, you don't. Um, not for like unless you're playing Bjornings. And then the other piece is like, why is it that every single new release coming out has to be Forge World resin? Dear Lord in heaven. I don't really want to buy my mm-hmm. entire army off of Forge World because a couple of things. You have very few stock, you have so few frequent stock outs on Forge World and your shipping fees are so bloody expensive that I want to spend the $150, whatever the, the, the threshold is, to get free shipping. Mm-hmm. So for I've noticed this with the Hobbits. I had to buy these four or five Hobbit, like six Hobbit characters or whatever. You could never get all three in one shot because they're all sold out so quickly. Yeah. And so I would buy one Hobbit and then I want to buy something else and then I have to pad the bloody purchase just to get it above 150 yeah. bucks because I'm like, I don't want to pay this exorbitant shipping fees. And yeah. so it's like, not only are you not producing the, 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 the development schedule, but you're not even producing the product enough to buy it, just to keep mm-hmm. reliably say, I can buy all the stuff on hand. And I get yeah. it. There's another discussion there about holding stock, stock churn, all that stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now, 
because I actually work in, in production, um, that this thing that Games Workshop is doing, and they do it with all their games, and even their releases over this weekend showed it. You know, they're showing Forge World, they're showing Plastic, and they're showing resin. Even for brand new stuff, for brand new games, are getting resin models. And why is that? So mm -hmm. this is Games Workshop trying to use all of the production facilities that they have at their disposal to keep up with demand. Even mm -hmm. though they know that their customer base prefers something else, even in the or even in the presentation of the reveals, the host said when talking about a resin model that I realize this may not be everybody's favorite medium. You don't say something like that. Like even they know that you know people generally don't like resin, right? Um, I know some people do because they just can't stand metal but like metal is not something that they are still producing new models with if it's an old cast then yeah you'll see a metal but like they're not bringing out any new metal stuff um so point being some people prefer resin over metal but like everybody prefers forge rolled and plastic over resin right but so they're still producing resin models so Forge World is actually resin. I just looked this up. It's not actually plastic, like the plastics. Produce. No, no, it's resin, yeah. And so my question to GW is, why are you using this product? Why are you not using a standardized product, just plastic? You have the machines for it. I don't know like, why you're moving in this direction. It's like when they moved into Failcast, um, and then they just stopped using Failcast. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe they still use it for some stuff. I know for a fact when I bought the Radagast box, it was Failcast. Um, the question is, why are you not using just plastic? I mean, economies of scale. If I have one oh, production yeah. methodology, that should be sufficient. Should it not? Well, the reason why... Um I think the reason why, and I, I could be wrong here, but I think the reason why Forge World came into being was because at the time it could offer an immensely higher level of detail to the models than either metal or plastic could. However, at some point along the way, and in MESBG chronology, it was Thorin's company that was that was the first mesbg set that plastic went to like a whole new level of detail from what it had been previously like when mm -hmm. that set came out um those models were like incredibly detailed compared to any other plastic model released before them for any other system that they produce mm -hmm. so well at that time forge world was al already a big thing right mm -hmm. so now i'm not so sure that forge world is getting that huge of like an increase on detail to what plastic molding can get mm -hmm. probably it is there is some difference um forge world being superior but is it that big i'm not sure yeah i mean if you just look at 40k models that are coming age of sigma models that are coming out that's all plastic so i mean like those models are substantially better than um a, a number of mesbg stuff and the, the developers or the, the, the model developers are the same caliber of of, of employee and, mm -hmm. and designer so it's like to suggest that 
um, that that forge resin now is better than plastic is definitely not the case anymore. And and, and like and, you know and like plastic or like fail cast, which you know they've, mm-hmm. I think they've done away with. And I think they should start looking at doing away with forge roll because I mean having a single production methodology makes so much more sense from a staffing perspective. Everybody, you all know how to use the one thing we do. Here you go. Guess what? Plastic can be ground back up and reused. Resins mm-hmm. cannot. Now that I've just a quick Google search. So why don't we use it? Because then all of a sudden we don't have a dead stock issue. We just grind up the plastic resin, plastic, yeah. and we just reuse it, yeah. right? Um, so to me, it's like, this is just silly using four antiquated techniques. And the other issue is, and this is a pet peeve of mine, if you're going to stop having a forge roll website and a Games Workshop website, integrate both of them, please. Mm -hmm. Because if I get a gift card for Games Workshop, I don't want to have to not be able to use it. I want to be able to use it on forge world stuff. Just have it all be one thing. How hard is that? Yeah, so to me, I know that Games Workshop's reason for hanging on to resin um, and possibly also hanging on to to Forge World, it's because of demand, right? And Mm. you see this in other industries, you see this in other walks of life, like without getting into any names, but even like on like the military side in the real world, you still see conflicts where countries are using like way outdated equipment and they're still producing Mm. it and why and it's well this is what we can produce so Mm -hmm. that's what we're producing it's not that it's the best it's not that it's second best you know it's just they're using all of the resources they have at their disposal and resin is one of them so like they have to have that part of their business still carry some of the load so i'll say from a temporary perspective, like a temporary basis, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But GW is raking in hand over fist profit. You mm-hmm. can afford to let the queenie squint and switch <laughs> your system over to plastic. If you're struggling financially, <laughs> totally understand. Yeah. But you are considered to be the top 10, in the top 10 best stocks to buy in the UK, like seven years running. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you are making hand over fist cash. Put it together, up, up, expand your production facility, and dump Ford World resin. Yeah, yeah. Come like, on. where's where's the capital expenditures? Right? Come on. Um, oh, come on no, seriously. I know. I agree with you. I'm just saying, like, this is this is why it is. It's like mm-hmm. undoubtedly the reason. Like to me, um, yeah. that that is what is happening. And I'm not saying it's right. It's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like to me, at the end of the line, like what what if they do retain the license? I totally agree with you. Uh, I hope they do retain the license. But if they do retain the license, I really hope that the Embracer Group holds Games Workshop's feet to the fire on mm-hmm. on the amount of support that they give the game. Yeah, 100% agree. But, okay. You know, coming off as, as sort of a hopeful conclusion here, um, I think it's gonna. Get, I think they are. I'd be shocked if they wouldn't. Because I mean, I just checked it up, and they think they spent like almost six hundred million dollars, uh, U.S. on the rights to Lord of the Rings, and MESBG. We well, yeah, like to Middle Earth, to Middle Earth, um, and Embrace Group wants their 
pound of flesh. They want to make their oh, money back. Oh, you mean, mean an Embracer Group bought it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Embracer Group bought it for $600 million, all of that stuff. And so they want to get their pound of flesh. They want to get their, their return on investment. And they want to get mm-hmm. it quickly, right? Because um, they got to pay off that massive loan. I'm sure they have. And so, yeah, I, I have no doubt they're going to hold GWC to the fire. And the really nice thing, I think, here is that... Um, I have no doubt that the Middle Earth team is excited for this because it means they can put you know, full throttle forward MESBG. So it's definitely not um, an, a, a concern from the team. It's more of just mm-hmm. getting corporate in line with what you know, the player base expects. Yeah. So let me ask you this one last thing, okay? What if they don't retain the license? Then what? Ooh. Like, let's say this drags out for like a number of months and then they're like embracer group is just like, yeah, no, this isn't happening. See you later. Um, ooh. I think it goes underground like uh, Blood Bowl did, right? The living document. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the rules, um, I think I think a community within the community will come forward mm-hmm. to develop the, 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 um, develop the, the rules and continue them onwards. It'll be a living document. I yeah. think in some ways the document will will get better um, mm-hmm. because you'll have more people looking at it and more opportunity to, to grow it. Um, yeah. And then in I terms agree. of... I agree. And in, and in terms of like, you know, models, the 3D printing market right now is a is a, is a blowing up with, with Lord of the Rings models. There's mm-hmm. not any issue about new models coming out. Um, no. And so, you know, I, I don't think there's any going to be any issue with that. In fact, the models will be cheaper, way cheaper. Um, and the rules will be looked after by a community that the a community within the community and um, tournaments will still keep going on because GW is not involved with any of the tournaments anyways. Uh, and things will just keep happening. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, mm-hmm. anything like that does have a lifespan. So, um you know, I think initially, uh, I agree with you, it'll be very strong. Uh, but whether it has, uh, whether it can be sustained is another question. Like, you know, you mentioned another group, like the, a community group would, you know, possibly even make the rule set better. Um, and, and I would, you know, I'm go on and on about how I like battle companies, but I would cite that as a great example. So the mm-hmm. community is, or a community has, has uh, taken hold of that game and you know they've really kept it true to the GW uh, last edition but dramatically improved the game Um, so so there's there's an evidence right there and you mentioned Blood Bowl as well Um, Games Workshops never lost or sold the rights to that game but at, at, at some time they they weren't producing uh like the game and yeah it was alive in a living rule book um the other option and i i do think this is unlikely but it's it's possible because there's a precedent for it and that is like mesbg could go the way of hero quest or talisman uh both formerly big games for for gw but now mm-hmm. both being made under license to gw by other companies so mm-hmm. we could see that and one of those companies uh was at one point fantasy flight which is actually 
owned by Asmodee, which is owned by Embracer Group, mm-hmm. um, funnily enough. So, so there is a bit of an a indirect connection there uh, mm-hmm. with that possibility. Um, I don't see that happening simply because of the number of models involved with this being a tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I suppose it is a possibility that that could happen. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Fantasy Flight, Nasmo, D, and Embracer could buy the rights to the models, mm-hmm. right? Um, the rights to produce those models and the sculpts and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and move it over, and then either pretty much just continue the game as it exists. I'm assuming that's allowed in IP, or producing a game that uses those models. Um, yeah. But I definitely don't think this will be something that's going to be dead in the water. And I think, no. um, I know at least for the OSBGL community, um, I, I definitely think that uh, you know this would the OSBGL and the league season will continue for many, 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 many years to come, uh, even if the game stops. And people will just find new ways of, of buying models. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I just don't think it will change. Yeah. Yeah, I I would say my last word on this topic would be, um, you know, I'm disappointed by what we saw at Warhammer World. I know almost everybody else is, or a large percentage of of everybody else is. But honestly, this is really good news. Like, if you want the game to stay with Games Workshop, um, it would have been devastatingly bad if it was just silence. Um, that could have only Uh meant one thing and I don't think any of us would have wanted that. So, you know, okay, they only released one model that kind of stinks. It's a model that I'm not going to buy that kind of stinks, but you know what? This tells me that they're most likely going to retain the licenses to the game Mm. and that's what I want to see happen. So at the end of the day, I'm happy about it. Yeah. For me, I see this, initially I thought, you know, this is a blah, 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 not very pleased. Um, but I'm actually very hopeful. To me, this isn't the this isn't MESBG release. We didn't get an MESBG release um, at Warhammer Fest. Everyone keeps thinking, oh, you know, it's not fair, we didn't get it. I'm like, no, no, this wasn't, this was not an MESBG release. This mm-hmm. was a communication from Games Workshop to us, albeit very late. A communication from Games Workshop to us saying, we're going through licensing and renegotiations with Embracer Group, um, but we have a lot more to come. Um, and this is their way of publicly stating um, that barring the totally unforeseeable, um, get ready for a big splash coming soon, um, soon being you know um, subjective, and um, get ready to see a lot more uh, for, of, of MESBG down the road. And he said, you want models? We're going to give you models. I promise you that. And to me, this is very hopeful. My only concern, as I've repeated, I reiterated many times, is I want GW to keep up with that. Keep up with that that development schedule, that aggressiveness in producing and providing us the game that we love yeah. and want to continue playing. So, yeah, no more hopeful, back seat. Hopeful. Like, move it into the front seat. Come on, GW. Exactly. Yeah, move it in the front seat and like give them their own dedicated like team. Come on. Like there's so many like we've talked about this over many episodes, but there's so many opportunities for Games Workshop to really make a, a ton of money through subcontracting of designers and whatnot. But anyways, mm-hmm. different discussions that we've already been having. <laughs> different different discussion. All right, so is that it for this episode, Andrew? Or do you have I more think so. to th- 
That's it. Uh, we're, All right. We're, we're, we're T minus like 12 minutes from two hours. And we've only been talking okay. about this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A little bit different of an episode, maybe uh, yeah. pretty dry for some people, but uh, to me, this has been a topic of uh, a lot of interest and I've done quite a bit of reading mm -hmm. about it in the background. Um, so to see what happened this weekend at um, the releases was very confirmation. timely. Yeah, it was kind of a confirmation about uh, what I thought was happening. And I still don't know, but it's a strong, strong indicator, I would say. Mm. You know, this, it was it was nice to see that. It's funny, you know, just to give a little peek behind the, uh, the curtain of production here. We, you know, I'm trying to get to this to, to get this episode out. Um, trying to meet with Don, um, and then all of a sudden the Warmer Fest came out, and it was like I, we knew it, we knew it. There was a GW licensing issue, and they were working on getting it fixed because um, yeah. all the breadcrumbs were kind of there. Um, and you know, it's like we got to get our episode out as fast as possible because um, there's just <laughs> a lot of good content to talk about, and there's a lot of people yeah. who aren't quite as informed as they'd like to be on the subject. And hopefully, this uh, this answers their questions. Yeah, because there were a lot of YouTube streamers that covered it, some MESBGs, and uh, from what I heard, like nobody really talked much about this topic. And mm -hmm. this is the a very pervasive, uh, you know, reason behind what's happening. I think, and I don't know if I use the word pervasive in the right context there, but uh, you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. Get what yeah. you mean. All right. Well, thank you, sir. That was fun. I enjoyed it and yeah this is all this was this uh, dominant uh, dominated our last two days of discussion yeah it's a I'm, I'm leaving with a hope uh, more hope than I've had in the last in several months about the state of MESBG with GW yeah and as me someone too. who has been as someone who's been um, providing some constructive feedback to Games Workshop uh, in more frequency over the last probably year um i'm definitely fully excited to see where we go next i agree yeah it's uh to me right now it's a little early to say the future looks bright but i'm hoping that that is right around the corner agreed all right well that's it for another episode here on north of the shire 